type of Clippers. I'm Jen. And I'm Carrie. And this is Warhammer 40k Book Club, where we read from a crag. This is episode number 62, and our book is Grim Repast by Mark Collins. The book is the first, I'm assuming, in a Quillen Drask series about a detective investigating grisly murders in Varangantua. You know, a Tuesday. Yeah, so it's the usual. Yeah, same old, same old. We posted several questions on our website, wh40kbookclub.com, and we encourage participation in our conversations via Twitter, YouTube, our site, or Encrypted Box channel. Spoiler warning. If you haven't yet read this book, given that it's a mystery, go ahead and check out the book and the questions, and then come back to this post as we're going to be discussing it from start to finish in great detail. With that, let's dive in. First, as always, did you like the book? I did. I had a good time. I did too. That's how I would describe it. It was fun. It was, you know, I don't know how to say this about the Warhammer crime series without sounding kind of weird, but they're, they're supposed to be like almost the equivalent of like dime store crime novels. And I mean that in the best way possible. I like dime store crime novels. I do too. No, I do too. I really do. Um, If only I could get my dime store romance novels going. Now that'd be nice too. Um, But don't judge me, monkey. Um, it, it's exactly, I feel Sorry, like this book, I was about to be like, like Harlequin romances, but I was like, no, she doesn't want those. Cause the Harlequins. No, nobody wants, yeah, no, nobody wants a Harlequin. Although, Do you okay. want a Harlequin's romance novel about Harlequins? In the right hands, I feel like that could be fun. I'm just saying, like, I feel like if you had somebody who was not afraid to, like, really lean into that and make it as campy and ridiculous, it's space theater kids in love. Well, there's only one person who would do that. That's Josh Reynolds. I feel like Nate Crowley could do a pretty good job with it. Hmm. I don't know. I kind of like him writing about orcs. That's true. I'm just trying to think of, like, the people who have demonstrated a good sense of humor. But you're right. I feel like Josh Reynolds could probably well, come back and do a Harlequin's well, Harlequin just romance novel. Well, he's proven he has a thing with the Harlequins. That's true, too. He actually made me not entirely hate them. Oh, no, I still um, hate them. There'd be lots of dancing and songs, and I think it would be wonderful. Wait a minute. Hear me out. Not to go too far down this rabbit hole, but hear me out for a second. West Side Story in the 40K universe with the different fans of Harlequins. You know this is a great idea. I hate my side story, but you see now you got the snapping going. I'm like, yeah, you know, I could kind of see it. Just saying. Do the webway. Anyways, focusing. Um, it. I guess my whole point of this was that I came for just like a really enjoyable crime novel that like you don't have to think too much about, but there is a good solid mystery there, and yeah. I got to the end of this and was like, this is totally what the series is about. Yep. Fit the bill. It did. It fit the bill very nicely. Um, What parts stood out to you? Well. (laughs) (laughs) Where to begin? Yeah. uh, Well, probably the um, big reveal about Alexius, which I know we're going to get into uh, here in in a bit. Oh, just like some of the, you know, what really affected me this time is in that I saw I had a lot of parallels between this and Bloodlines. 
And it's just because we kind of got a similar situation in that we have the Gilded controlling the Bastion, right? And then we have a senior probator who's refusing to rail against it because we need funds, yo. Which is a very real problem, and it's something that even though, like even our current cities here in the U.S., and I'm going to assume England as well, are not supposed to be um, funded by corporate, but we all know how the world works the same time there's a reason why you know uh you hear about big famous people getting getting you know getting off for things but mm-hmm. i mean especially if you want to look at between the police and collegiate sports especially football yeah uh, uh, <coughs> penn state <coughs> florida i was gonna say florida well i was like penn state because of the whole uh uh Sidinsky thing which the police knew about yes yeah and then of course florida and how much aaron Rodgers. how much i hate urban meyer because of that aaron Rodgers. you mean aaron hernandez aaron hernandez oh my god it's like not the green bay packer (laughs) aaron hernandez yes that's exactly who i mean um yeah i mean you're totally right like there are and and, and that's like kind of like really focused in like another angle of it just in how much it just sucks. Like, oh, but we can't go against the first families. Right. And I thought that was actually very interesting because Constant, I like, I hated Constantus from the beginning. Right. I was like, oh, you suck. I did like at the end, though, when she's like, look, somebody has to keep the lights on. And like, this is not easy what I have to do. Like, I liked the idea that she's basically like, I hate this. I I absolutely hate it. You know, but I understood that at the beginning, that she was like that. But at the same time, when Nock is like, oh, you did such a good thing by taking care of the Hyleth and the silver coin, and he looks right at her, and she's looking away. It's like, I understand keeping the lights on, but keep you can keep your damn mouth shut, bitch, at the same time. Oh, for sure. That's unforgivable. I'll agree with you there. She's still... It's I wouldn't be surprised if she slept with the guy, to be totally honest, the way that they were acting together. It it was a little overly familiar, wasn't it? Well, especially I, that at the end when Nock is Femus is a, a Freemus, whatever fuck his name is. He was taunting him and saying that, do you know what she says about you? There was some implications that there was a more familiar relationship mm. there. I had the same thought at that same scene. And he's like, do you know what she says about you? And I was like, oh. Y'all talk a lot then. Like, you guys are spending some time together. Um, that is, that was an interesting, <laughs> interesting little reveal throw in there, mm-hmm. right? I feel like, I feel like the 40K universe is particularly good about doing that. We were talking about um, looking at Caiaphas Kane, right? Where she talks about how she's like, oh, I've known Caiaphas to wake up with some pretty nasty nightmares. I'm like, have you? Oh, really? Right, like, hmm. did you guys like, have I feel adjoining like... rooms and he was loud, or were you living in sin? <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Um, little, just like the subtleties of the 40k universe. But you're very, you're correct, and that's one of the things that stands out to me is that 40k is supposed to be kind of this exaggerated commentary, right, on not just the current world but history and a bunch of other stuff too, right? But I feel like, I feel like the hive cities are a particular exaggerated commentary. So this in particular, I was like, oh, it's nice to know that some things never change. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, and it, 
you're in a hard situation because essentially at that point, Vranks for that district kind of sounds like Amazon is at this point for, right? Not just the United States, but I actually can't imagine that's really what it's like because I have friends who used to work at Amazon and they said, they're like, when you work for Amazon, you live in an apartment complex with everybody else who works for Amazon. The stores, it's all, you go to the grocery store, it's everybody who works for Amazon. Like, they basically have their own little village there. And kind of, like, when you have that kind of power and influence, it's really easy, I would imagine, to be like, oh, well, don't want to go against that. That's what keeps the lifeblood flowing, right? I really kind of felt, I guess what I'm saying is Vranks is the Amazon of... 40k universe is this what i have felt for this world kind of felt that way and they talk about how important these merchant combines are okay so all right sure so the company is important because it brings jobs and everything else it doesn't mean the people running it aren't pieces of shit oh for sure but they're first families we got to protect the first families because history and oh whatever <laughs> well like when they were saying that, I was like, oh, like the Kennedys. Like, I mean, uh, it's just like, right? like these big name families, like these big name families that, oh, we have to for, like, for, for protect these people. That just the corruption, but also kind of the blase attitude toward it. That really does stand out to me every time we read a story that's set in Varangantua, where they're just kind of like, as one does, mm -hmm. right? Like, that stands out to me. Um, some of the descriptions were pretty good. I liked him. I like body horror, and I like that kind of stuff, so those parts really stood out to me. Because I was just like, oh, this is so good. It's so well done. It was oh, gross I just thought without so being... Go on, go on. I was going to say, it's gross without being gratuitous. Like, it didn't... It didn't cross the line for me, at least. Like, it was good body horror. It was disgusting. It was like, that's not okay. But it didn't venture over into, gr like, gratuity. It wasn't overly macabre. It, it wasn't, wasn't overly form. disgusting. Basically, yes. It wasn't that. Um, I did like, and I'm assuming this is a direct Sin City callback. I did like that. When he goes and he finds Anatoly in his arm has been cut off and he's just like yeah he took away my friend and uh, basically I had to watch them do this to me and I was like ah I also really liked that in Sin City I thought that was fun I never saw it so red or red <laughs> either one it's all good no she would just hit me with you describing like the macabre the weavers the house of grace the fact that oh my gosh all these women and it's like they're also talking about how they're one of the oldest families. They've been doing this for centuries, and you guys can't afford to keep the lights on so people can see what they're doing. Do you make them eventually go blind? Do you understand how like twisted and sick that is? And yet, I'll bet you anything that's part of the allure. Like, right. Oh, this fabric. It was made by blind weavers. Like I Who have no so doubt. Like I get their see craft. They don't need to see. Like, I have no doubt that's part of their sales pitch, part of the allure. Like, I have no doubt that the Nock family uses that. Like, oh, yes, our, our fabric made by blind weavers. Like, right. Yeah. I mean, just <laughs> the uh, 
ridiculousness of it all in the name of nobility, I guess. Like it, it's one of the, because uh, like Bloodlines kind of tapped into it. This one like really like drove it home of how we're all at the whims of these first families. Yes, the House of Grace, like they're also a first family but they work for us. They make all of our fabric. So if they want to make themselves go blind, we're just going to keep on encouraging that because that makes the fabric more valuable. It's like everything's kind of at, you know, their whims. And obviously they treat the whole city like everything is at their whims. Otherwise mm -hmm. they wouldn't be like raising humans as cattle. That's disgusting. Uh that was fun, wasn't it? Well, especially when Carol was like, well, sometimes we have to go catch it out in the wild. I'm like, catch it out in the wild? Like, the hell? <laughs> this isn't like a... This isn't like, oh, we have a deer farm for venison, but sometimes we need to go get, like, you know, wild deer, too. No. It's the dangerous game, Carrie. Yeah, okay. I saw a hard target, too, okay? <laughs> At least they didn't eat them. Okay. You didn't want Van Hold on. in your mind? Hold on. Of all the classic movies that you haven't seen, and yet you have seen what is arguably one of the worst Van Damme movies, and yes, I am including uh, Double Dragon in that. Oh my god. I couldn't, even, oh yeah. I couldn't even finish Double Dragon. I'm also including Universal Soldier in there. Okay. Never and Time Cop. I will watch Time Cop and Universal Soldier back to back before I watch Hard Target again. Come on, humans hunting humans is so original. It's very, very in. Rich people paying a lot of money to go hunt down homeless people? I mean... The most dangerous game! It's so new. So new. There was an Onion article forever ago where a guy, it was written by a guy who talked about how he had a private island and he basically wanted to relive the most dangerous game. But he was talking about how he pulled all these millennials on there. And he was like, it's boring because they just sat and tried my doorbell like six times to try to get back in. And then they got onto Twitter and were surfing. And it was really funny. Anyways. That's kind of funny. It was really funny. What do you think of Drask as a detective? Like, what do you make of his gift? What do you make of him as a good guy? Yeah, I don't think he has a gift. I think if he has a gift, it's that he's a really good detective. One of the core elements of being a really good detective is to be able to read people and be able to tell by looking into their eyes, looking into their demeanor, their body language, what their motivations are. I have, you know, I listen to true crime stuff as much as, much as you do. And whenever they have real detectives on there, they will talk about that kind of thing, about how when they get in a room with someone, they can instantly... Like, there's that energy they can just tell. I don't see that as, like, a psychic gift as what uh, Constantis was trying to insinuate. I agree. And I think for as much as he made of it in the beginning of the book, I was expecting more. Like, I was actually very much expecting something along the lines of Caiaphas Kane, where Caiaphas Kane talks about how his palms will itch, his hands itch, right? And then sure enough... He talks about his hands itching, and then within, like, 20 pages, something awful happens, right? Surprise, gene stealers. Like, it's very much, like, a little bit of the ESPN. I didn't really pick that up. 
that's I poo-poo on Mean Girls a lot, but there are like four or five scenes from that movie that I absolutely love. And that's one of them. It's like, I have ESPN. Um, he, I was kind of expecting that, and I really didn't see it. And when she says, like, oh, we'll send you to the black ships, I'm like, for what, though? Like, he had that one kind of vision toward the end of the book. Sort of. Sort of, yeah. I was like, are they going to try to say the dreams that he has as part of the gift? Okay, so he has, but but really, like, so he gets obsessed with cases and has dreams about a beast chasing him. That's also so like not typical of people. I mean, right? Exactly. Um, Everything that he talked about with his gift, like where he would be like, "Oh, that was just my gift." I'm like this is kind of commonplace. Like this just kind of seems like you just being like, I was so confused every single time he talked about his gift. I would reread those passages. Just be like, wait, what are y'all talking about? Same. I, I still didn't, I still like, so either I'm like really dumb and missed something hidden in the text, or these people are making a bigger deal out of something that shouldn't be that big of a deal. And maybe that's just kind of their thing. Maybe that's something they hold over him. It could be. And to to be fair, in the Warhammer 40k universe, they are very, very sensitive to psyker behavior, right? And I would imagine that they would probably, very similar to, like, the Salem era, oh, this person's acting weird and different. Better call the black ships. <laughs> I would imagine that all you would have to do is, like, if somebody kiddingly was just like, have a gift for this. I'm sorry. Did you say gift? Like, I think they're very sensitive to that. So maybe it could have just been that. But I really didn't see it. Having said that, I did see he had that obsessive mind, right? That you would imagine that you hear about a lot. Again, when you listen to true crime stuff, you hear about that a lot. How cases detectives. I actually just recently listened to a episode of a podcast where a guy talked about how they had found something in a car. They were pursuing one suspect, but this one detective, he had found something in a car and he was like, I just couldn't let it go. He managed to hunt it down and it ended up totally derailing the case to the actual suspect. Like they were pursuing somebody who was wrong before. But he said he's like, sometimes as a detective, you just you just get something under your skin and you can't let it go. Right. That was so I saw that in Drask and I saw why he was such a good detective. Right. Like, very much like, um, oh, I cannot think of the name of the character from Bloodlines right now, but very much like him, right? Where it's like, you just feel like you're very good at your job. We don't talk about that part. We really don't. That was, that was the only thing where I was like, really? You're supposed to be a great detective. When he has that reveal where he was like, oh my God, it's a cult. <laughs> the red robe and the mask was just not a big enough clue. I mean, I walk anywhere and I see detective, and I put that together, and I see a robe and a mask, and be like, "Whoa, ooh, this is a cult." <laughs> like, sorry, I did not want to read the Watchtower today. Thank you. I mean, if it was an Assassin's Creed game, I'd be like, "Great, I can hide in plain sight now. This is perfect." But it's also a cult. Right. It, it's a cult. Um. I thought that was a little funny, actually. One of the things I found interesting was the whole ocular implant thing. 
Like, they made such a big deal about installing it in him, and then obviously they used it for nefarious purposes. And then they just turned it off. Well, like, well, it was still working, but they shut his access off to the data veil. I think that was the big thing. Right, but then they electrocuted it so he didn't have it anymore, which was... I forgot, that was another scene that stood out to me, because I was like, no, 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 no. That whole... That... Okay. That was the one scene that bordered... Just toward that, I was like, "This none of this is okay." I'm very sensitive to eye injuries in general, though, for obvious I have, reasons. I just have eye issues. Just like I don't have an eye injury, but I don't like things with eyes. It's like when they talked right. about that poor preacher whose eyes were removed. I'm like, mm -mm, "That's not okay." That oh poor my God. preacher. Like I actually like got a lump in my throat. That preacher was like, "Man, talk about someone who really, not that anybody deserves, but this preacher." Just answering a question. And the thing is, like, he knew he was most likely killed, not just, not because he answered his question about some of the history. It was just because he knew Drask. Well, and I think that's what made it so sad, was that it was a particularly hateful murder. It wasn't like, oh, you now know who I am, or you now know this, or you have this information. It was just... I'm watching just, you. Yeah. Just to mess with Drask. And that was... That made it particularly hateful. And, again, the fact that he was... He was... It wasn't just that he was killed. I mean, he was tortured, right? That's... That's awful. That is absolutely awful. Um, but I did like the idea that Drask had this very good support network, right? I liked that he had this preacher. I like that... I actually really enjoyed that he wasn't some bored nobleman's son who decided he wanted to change the world. Right? He was... Just a guy. Right. Grew up in Varangantua, not not like, you know, slum level, but not super wealthy. Just middle class. a very normal person. Yeah, middle class. I guess the equivalent of what they have in middle class. And just dad wanted one thing for him. Dad quite wanted work him out. to be a priest and he wanted to be a cop. And I love that the preacher was like not angry about it. He was like, no, this is just not your calling. And you're doing what the emperor wants you to do. I'm like, that's just beautiful. That's always so beautiful. Yes, and I feel, oddly enough, I feel as though we don't often, I don't want to say ever, but don't often get presented with just the good, the good clergyman, right? Like the person who doesn't have an ulterior motive or isn't it's corpulent. Always, it's always like reading the Canterbury Tales when it comes to the clergyman, right? <laughs> less, more or less, right? Um, so I was actually really happy to see that there was just this guy who was... He was a good preacher. He cared about his flock, right? Um, he didn't he did. have any ulterior motive. And he was not a good player of the game. No. I also did like... I did like that Drask was able to start putting things together, but when the preacher's like, well, it's not a forbidden text, but it is frowned upon. And he shows him, right? It's not like, oh, no, I won't do anything like that. Or, hey, kid, want to see some forbidden texts? Right, like, it's just a book about the history. Mm -hmm. History. It was just planet. handled very nicely. So, speaking of his support network, he had Vizarth and Olier, right? These two people who, first off, I guess I didn't expect Olier to be that good of a friend of his. Like, introduced early in the book, and I was like, oh, that's cool. But then when he calls upon Olier later, I was like, oh, oh, I'm sorry, I missed that they were like they were that close of companions. I, I liked it. 
I didn't see that either. Just because I think it's because they made such a big deal about, you know, Amalanth as Arth. And him just, you know, like when his eye was wigging out and he just goes straight to the Medicaid, hoping that she's there on shift. Right. I liked them as a support network, though. I really liked Vizarth as a character. I thought she was great. Mm -hmm. She's kind of what I would expect out of like a medical examiner and a Medicaid as, as well. You know, it's like really, really interested in it, but doesn't want to get that dirty into it. You know, just bring me the bodies, right? I'll examine them, tell you what they died of. She had a very clinical appreciation of it, right? Yeah. Like, well, this is just part of my job. And but there was that like line, right, where she's like, well, you know, yes, I look at all of this and I can figure out what, what killed this person, all this awful stuff. But I'm not going to like try to figure out who, what, when, where or why. Right. Just very much. Right. This yeah. is what happened. This is around the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like a typical. Exactly. Does in a. In a. You know what? Words are failing me today. Like, you should have heard me try to teach yoga tonight. It was embarrassing. <laughs> like, at one point, I actually put my head down on my mat. And I said, I'm so sorry for all the people that are here. I'm usually not this discombobulated. And my regulars burst out laughing. Words have been failing me. I maybe have Warhammer 40k too hard because I can... Similarly, we, we were in a movie we were in a meeting today a movie we were in a meeting today and i don't even remember what word i was looking for it did start with the prefix re um i cannot remember the word that i was looking for but what came out of my mouth was recidivism <laughs> huh apparently i got 40k on the brain so obviously there's other uses for that word but you most commonly i feel like now come across it in 40k and i was like huh that was not the word i was looking for and everybody was like because we were it was one of my first meetings we were back in a room and everybody was like what <laughs> never mind moving on it was bad words are hard sometimes you guys they are hard they are very hard but i liked i liked that he didn't do any of like the cheap things that some crime novels would do where like it turns out one of those two not actually on his side Oh, right, nope. right. They yeah. were just friends. And it's nice to know, and I think given all that corruption that we were talking about earlier, it is nice to know that, yeah, there are good people. There are good people who will support their friends, right? They're not all opportunist jerks who are secretly cult leaders. Well, you know, and some of those sanctioners that were obviously, like, kissing Constantis's ass, you know, it was just like, you know, no one would care if I killed you right now. It's like, excuse you. Like, right. you're still not supposed to murder people. But, that was a, a... That was an interesting reveal from her at the end, where she's like, if I want you gone, you'll be gone. No one will ask twice. Like, the way she was going through all of it, I was like, oh, you've done this before, haven't right. you? Right, because, I mean, obviously that sanctioner... A few times. The sanctioner who threatened him has most likely done it before on Constantis's orders. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he'd do it again in a heartbeat. I mean, obviously, you know, he hails sanctioners to be taking him back to the bastion. And then they don't do it. He's like, where are you taking me? Like, we have orders. And he's like, whose orders? And he's right. like, dump him at what, the blockhouse so he can meet with uh, Nock and Constantis. Like, we have ways of communicating. Like, you know, I got this new eye implant. You could have sent me a message. Absolutely. 
you know, it was just, a lot of it just seems so unnecessary. So it was like Constantis was also flaunting her power. I was going to say, it was all flexes. As much as the first families were. It's like, well, you know, maybe I can't control this city and pay for everyone's bills, but I can throw my weight around to make your life miserable just because I can. Well, and I guess when you deal, like, she's up close and personal with with those people, right? The Gilded, who wield their power very casually right so mm-hmm. i would actually say that in in contrast hers were kind of tawdry like because it's part of her character right. right like oh you're right i could have sent you a message or i could have had my hired thugs go and collect you and bring you to this very sketchy place where you're going to be scared right like very tawdry display of power but very much within her idiom and part of me wonders like is that are you like monkey see monkey do? You're like, well, I watch these people throw their power around all the time. So that's just how it does. Is it a matter of the boss yelling at the father who comes home and yells at the wife who yells at the kid who kicks the dog? Right. Exactly. The, 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 uh, the crap goes down the hill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. But I liked that Olier and Vizarth were just what exactly what they seemed on their surface level. Exactly what they seemed. They just wanted to do their jobs. Exactly. Talk about the Drask and Alexius situation. Okay. Um, Every time Alexius came up, all I could think of was Dorian. So there's the Dragon Age reference for the day. Hey, that's a good point. Every time I brought up Alexius, I'm just like... (laughs) Somewhat similar, too, right? In a way. Yeah, I mean, a mentor who gone bad right although i understood dragon age alexius a little yes like you understood him a little bit more similarly (laughs) as with common in the dragon age universe not everyone's all evil right right yeah sometimes Uh, they have complex motivations but so the whole thing with alexius so to me it actually was a big surprise when it's announced that actually alexius was the silver coin killer because what I had thought was it was because of the civil coin killer case that Alexius went nuts that's what how I was interpreting things so it turns out that he's a silver coin killer and not Hylath but they never explained like why like what was he doing what started it so I was I kind of came away from that whole thing like very unsatisfied I guess my inference on that was kind of what you said. Like, he just got so obsessed with so many things that eventually it got to him. And eventually he started acting out on it. Now, was partial, was part of that when they start revealing that, oh, he had been looking into murders very similar to this, mm-hmm. right? And he noticed this happens a lot. Like, not only does this happen a lot, it happens a lot, and it similarly gets... My dog's crying outside the door, not inside the door. Um, It similarly got made to go away. Right. Right? Like, it was... When it goes away in the beginning, you're like, mm, that's not right. So, it when you reveal that Alexius discovered that this is constantly going away as well, was he trying to get to the bottom of that? Was he just acting out? Had he just lost his damn mind? 
I don't know. I did like the idea, though, that nobody within the bat, like only a few people within the Bastion, know what ha- really happened. Like who like the most silver, pe- who the silver coin killer was. Most people think Alexius just kind of went nuts, right? Right. And it had to be dealt with, but not was the silver coin killer. They, there was a passage in the very beginning, and I thought that I marked it down, but I think I, I think I didn't. I meant to though, but there it was like it was somewhat early on where he, kind of, I was like, oh, okay, so Alexius was the silver coin killer, because he had something in there where he basically suggested it, and then at the end when they're like, he definitely was. I was like, oh, that sucks. <laughs> like, I guess I sorry I, that your mentor. Like I, I didn't see that. I mean. Yeah, so it just was like, oh, okay, I didn't see that entirely coming. Because, like I said, I was assuming Remember what that he sil- said. Like, the silver coin killer, I thought, changed Alexius. And I guess, in a way, yes, it did. It did. There was something, oh, man. It was, like, around Chapter 9 or something like that. He says something, because my husband and I both were like, oh, he's a silver coin killer. And then... Sure enough. Just, oh my god. So sad. Oh, you know what? I think it was... It might have been in chapter... I might have actually just nailed that chapter, but I can't remember now. Um, Going through my pages here. Because my husband and I both were like, oh. And then... Yeah. And that's that's one of those things. Um, I'm going to make a weird comparison here, so bear with me for a minute. But it's one of those things they talk about a lot. Like... When Heath Ledger passed, let's oh, say. Oh, I know what it is. Huh. It's when Knox says, You have suffered quite a bit already, have you not? The wounds inflicted during the apprehension of the infamous silver coin killer. Because you already knew that Alexius was the one who stabbed him in the stomach. That might have been what it was. Yeah, that might have been what it was. Um, But... It's the thing that we talk about a lot with human beings. Like, again, like when you look at like when Heath Ledger passed, part of what they had said is like they were like, well, was it because he had gone to such a really dark place playing the Joker for the Dark Knight? And like, I have friends who you, still swear that's what happened. I'm just like, the guy was a her- think, the guy was a drug addict. What do you? Want? He had so many other problems, right? But people do kind of look at that and be like, hey, when you start to get into these dark funks, right? Um. Obviously, this is a little bit more extreme, but, like, that is one of those things with human nature, right? Where you start to normalize some of that darkness that you're seeing all the time, right? Um, Years ago, we have friends who are police officers, and they had friends who were EMTs. And when you listen to EMTs tell jokes, they're not jokes that non-EMTs find particularly funny. But it's because you see so much awful stuff all the time, right? And I'm not suggesting that they're going to become serial killers, no, but you know what I mean. I like, mean, so when I worked in medical malpractice, Chris, it's a different time. So before I had kids, I'd probably see things a little more differently now if I was working that after having kids. But at that time, you really kind of developed a very callous look at some things. You know, whether... Right. And some of it was, just to, some of it was just to get through it. You know? I mean, so... So a retractor was left in her. I mean, she's not dead. Be happy. You know, I mean, it just kind of gets like like that, even though it's pretty fucking bad that her 14 inch 
retractor was lifted a woman after surgery and this is a real case <laughs> you might have heard it on the news that happened here in dallas yay um yes so and i've actually seen the x-rays and i'm like how did you all miss this this is not right but like but again again but at the same time you're just like oh, why are you suing you're fine <laughs> Yeah, they got it out again. You were fine. Yeah, no, it is. It's very true, right? Like you start to yeah. normalize stuff that isn't normal. And and again, I'm not suggesting that everybody then becomes a serial killer, but you can, kind of, you can see, like you could see that degradation of how that would happen with a human being, right? Like I'm not saying it's super common, but you read it and you're like, oh. Well, it's actually one sad. thing that the shield kind of highlighted as well, right? Right. That they were so down into the muck at all times. It was very easy for them to kind of slip into that same behavior. Because, you know, they talk about, you know, desensitization with stuff. And, um, and I think desensitization, I think that's an oversimplification for things. Uh, like, I mean, I, I remember back in the 90s when, like, you know, parents were really big on that violent video games and violent movies and stuff would make you serial killer because you were desensitized and I would still argue to this day like that's not true because it's nowhere near realistic but in the case of the shield however like in these characters who are literally right. down in the muck and seeing this type of real violence yes and things are the real people but you know what I mean real violence every day it'd be very easy to be desensitized to how horrific that is very much so um, Which actually made the scene with the preacher, like, mean so much more to me because it just showed that Quillen was so human. Like, he was still very much so horrified by what happened. Like, to the point well, he can't even act as a police officer. He, like, you know. He, he just actually, reverts to, like, the lizard part of the well, brain. Well, he, like, touches evidence, takes it, and runs screaming out the door. I mean, yeah. Which is very human, right? very human and i think the thing that i liked about the alexius reveal is a it totally made sense right very la confidential that at the end like i could actually hear like guy pierce going a hero you're gonna need more than one right like with this whole okay one of our best and brightest happens to be a serial killer okay you know what he just kind of went nuts just kind of went nuts. We had to put him down like a dog. And um, moving on. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of times when we read books like this or you see movies where, like, people will be like, oh, I'm just haunted by my relation to this person. And you're like, and they get to the reveal and you're like, really? That is the big issue. Um, This made sense at both levels, right? It would make sense if he just went a little nuts and you had to put him down because everyone's going to be like, <laughs> you okay there, buddy? <laughs> like... Uh, um, but then also for the people who did know that it would be really hard to trust a person who was that close with somebody and didn't notice that he was, you know, secretly a serial killer. Um, do you think that's what it was? Do you think that's why everyone treated him like shit? Cause I had a very big problem with how he was treated in the department. I had a massive problem with it. I thought my Constantus did Constantus. I thought I, her, I understood. Because she knows the truth, right? She knows where the body's buried. You would definitely be like, how did you not notice this? But I think 
for everybody else, there's a little bit of how did you not notice he was going nuts? And because these people obviously haven't had loved ones in their life, but you don't want to believe that your loved one is going through this. I see this all the time. Like, oh, shit. Try being a parent. All right. You deal with other parents like my kid would never do that. Are, are, are you serious right now? Like, like they just punched. What are kid. you suggesting, madam? I'm saying I've actually seen it. I've been a part of it when I was a basketball coach of kids doing awful things. I call out the kid on it and the parent tells me to my face he never would do that. And I was like, I was right there. Well, that's not what he said. Oh, I'm sorry. He's not telling you the truth. I had to deal with stupid teenagers being stupid teenagers this weekend. So, yeah, I'm feeling you on this one in particular. I mean, it's just, again, but you would have. Like, I get it. It's like, all right, let me go someone who's like even closer to me, like someone who's like, you know, my mentor. Let's say my mom was going nuts. You know, I'm very close to my mom. I wouldn't want to admit she's going crazy. You would be in quite a bit of denial for a while. And here's the other thing too, though. Like there's also when it comes to like mentors and close family friends and stuff like that, like you rationalize that stuff so quickly and easily. So like if I came to you and I was like, dude, I think your mom's going crazy. Oh, no, 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 no. She's just like really into cereal. Like she's just really into her job. She's just really good at it. Like she just loves to read books about serial killers. It's her thing. She's always been that way. Yeah, but I think your mom's going a little nuts. Like I really think maybe there's something unhealthy here. Pfft. Just how she's always been. Like I feel like you would you would definitely or, you would rationalize or it. Or if he did notice Alexius was going nuts, he probably just figured it was the pressures of the job. Was, and might have been talking to him other ways. We don't know. We don't know if you ever confronted him. It's like, dude, something's not right with you. Like, you need to go talk to somebody. You need to go to the Medicaid or something. Because obviously, when he was confronting the silver coin killer, he was not with his partner and mentor that night. So we definitely don't have the whole picture here. And I think... And I think that, honestly, I think Constantis hated him from the very beginning. And I think that she's... I think what she has done is I don't think that she's angry with him because why didn't she see this coming? I think it's more like you guys are just alike and you keep thinking like him. And so therefore I can't trust you. And I just don't like you. I don't like your style. Even though you wrap up the cases and you're very good at your job, you just said too much of Alexius. And then she, then she tries to play it off at the end. It's like, you just can't step out of his shadow. It's like, that may be partially true, but you guys keep him in there at the same time. You don't let him forget it. It's a self-perpetuating cycle, right? right? And she even talks like about where you're how... constantly like, oh, like if somebody is telling you and... all the time, you're like your mom, you're like your mom, you're like your mom, right? And then you act like your mom. Well, of course, you know. And she's like, you know, you've done a bigger favor to this department, and no one can ever, never know about that. Okay, that's fine. I understand that's how things work, but then fucking support the guy here. But you know what? The one thing that I did kind of feel her on. Sometimes you just don't mesh with a person. And sometimes you just don't like a person. I can't tell you how many people okay, I have worked fine, with over the but years. But you get your department under control. There is that. There is that. But, like, I can't tell you how many people I've worked with over the years where I'm like, you're good at your job. You seem friendly. But our personalities just don't mesh. Oh, well, and yeah. I mean, just... that's just. Right. So I kind of understood just, that. That's human interaction. But at the same time, if I was, I would hope, put it this way. I'd hope I had someone on my team who was under me that I did not particularly like. I would do my damnedest to keep that to myself 
and not let that trickle out to the other department. And if it, and if it did trickle out, be like, okay, look, guys, you have to work with them. Because you're supposed to be a goddamn leader. Right. You're supposed to, you complain up, right? You don't complain down. Right. And that's that was one thing, though, that I will say that if I had to make one complaint about this book, it would probably be that. Because I felt like toward the end, and especially in that situation, I kind of felt like she doesn't like him. Because that's just what happens in crime novels. Their boss doesn't like them. You know what I mean? Like at the end there, I was kind of like, well, I'm not really feeling it. Like, I guess if you're, if, and maybe it is just one of those things that it's like, I just can't trust you because you remind me so much of this guy and there's so much of you in him or him in you. And we all know where that went. So like, and that maybe is her own personal hang up. Maybe that's that, but, but you know, she said, she's like, I always thought you were weak. Well, lady, he just went toe to toe with Freemus Nock. He's not weak. He may not do things that you like, and he may not do things in the way that you would like them. But don't try to say it's because you thought he was weak. Just admit that he won't kowtow to the people who pay the bills the way that you want him to. Right. Which, there's probably a frustration in there, right? Again, you can plane up. You don't complain to other people around him. Because like right. that sanctioner telling him that I could kill you and probably nobody would even care. That's not okay for your people to be threatening a, a higher ranking officer like that. Right. For sure. For sure. Not not an okay thing. Were you surprised by the big reveal, speaking of Femus Knock? That he was the leader of the cult? No. Let, let me rephrase that. Um... That he's the leader of the cult. That there is, in fact, a cult that is raising people like cattle. Um, and that his son was the beast who uh, basically started this whole thing. Okay, I will say it surprised me that it was his son who killed uh, Mercutio. Like, that was like, oh, well, okay. okay. There's that mystery now, not solved. Because, like, the whole time he even at that end, he was just like, okay, what is... <laughs> The connection here, like, why was he killed type thing. And um, so, yeah, um, as for his son being the beast, <sighs> yes and no. Um, I, was, I guess I was kind of surprised it was that simple. At the same time, I was like, well, that kind of makes sense. Um, I, I, it was... I... I mean, but I don't remember what it was, but when he was challenged before his son ever showed up and he was like, who dares challenge me? I was like, oh, that's his son. <laughs> Just do it. Because, be, oh, because of what something Kirill said. Right. With the whole, like, he loved him like a son, but you know how brothers can be. Like, well, no, it wasn't that. He was just talking hmm. about how he was like, you know, um, that... Torn's going to take over soon. You know, kind of type thing. I was like, well, we all know how heirs can be. They get a little impatient for the parents to keel over and give them all that inheritance. Right. I was a little surprised. Um, it, it was the blade argument, right? Um, 
I was a little surprised by the, well, we shouldn't be doing this in the shadows. We should be ruling over these people and treating mm-hmm. them like the cattle they are. Like, how did you get to this point and not realize that that's not a good idea? Like, what you are doing is renowned as being repugnant. It's not even like, well, at least in Blade, you know, this is literally the only thing that you can eat to survive, right? So at least in the Blade argument, it's like, well, it's still a dumb argument, but I understand where you're coming from. These guys, like... Right, but... All right. Where is it? Oh, some Torin died. It's like, I'll kill you, I'll kill you, I'll open you up and spill your life's blood, blood, blood for, and then he died. It's like, okay, right there. That's why. He actually said something earlier, too, along those lines, where I was like, oh, snap. I mean, the corn got into him. I mean, but it makes sense, right? Why he'd be like, you yeah. need to be like, you know, eating everybody and blah, blah, blah. That's totally a corn thing. Because he even talked about, oh, he talked about, uh, I think with his father before that, like, we need to stack up the skulls. Yes, that's what it was. You stack up the skulls upon our thrones. It's like, okay. Like, oh, I I think, which, okay. <clears throat> Funny story. So in Bloodlines, we talked about how like disappointed we were that he was having an affair. But then when it reveals that they're actually part of a cult, you're like, why couldn't you have just been part of an, like having an affair, right? <laughs> right? Similar thing where like the cannibal cult is really repugnant and awful. But then once he kind of reveals that he's a cornite, you're like, dude, can't you just be a cannibal? <laughs> like, I guess what we're saying is there are some lesser of evils here. Um, like, just go back to being a cannibal in secret. The weird thing is, though, was like I was hoping to get some uh, justification, like why they were doing this. And their reasons, like, well, this is what they did when they first came here. I was like, that was for totally different reasons, okay? They were starving totally to death. Reasons, yeah. Um, um, so. And that's one of those things where, like, similar, like, in the old days. We're like just bored. Rich people. And there's so many people below us. They're not going to notice a few. True. But also, you know what? We see this a lot in Warhammer 40k, right? Where it's like, oh, well, this thing happened. And now we must continue to honor that tradition. And you're like, this is not... Something was lost in translation over the years. Well, I mean, it's not dissimilar from the cult and bloodlines you find out about. It's like, we used, right. we used to worship a serpent. And isn't the emperor just a serpent? Just another form of a serpent? And honestly, no, 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 with no, no, the no. cult and with the characters in this, there was so much snake imagery. I was wanting to know if it was playing homage to Bloodlines. Along those lines, I actually found it kind of fascinating. I'm like, dude, like when you think about how big a hive city is, like... And the way they describe Ver- Verengantua in the districts, right? Mm-hmm. The districts are almost like entire countries unto themselves, right? And just how much is going on under the surface of this planet? It's awful. And yet, it's kind of fascinating. I'm like, oh, it can, ho- it can host all kinds of cults. Well, you Good got- for you, Verengantua. I mean, if you think about it, you got this many people. Right? Like, stuff is going to happen. Some cults are going to pop up. Let's be real. But I really just took that to be, like, one of those things where it's like, oh, my God. Like, you guys aren't even... Are you even thinking about this properly? Like, do you even understand why that happened? 
I mean, again, it would be like a ship being becalmed, right? Or like the Donner Party or the Donner Party. Cannibal, the musical. Um, it's, um, well, I remember, you know, what I mean? you know in a, uh, uh, the first Heretic, you know, um, Argyle Tall talking about, because, you know, they were in the Warp Storm in real time, 30 seconds, but they were in there for, what, 10 years? And they mm-hmm. had run out of food and water, so they were killing one another to drink blood and eat, you know. And they, like, basically came back to, you know, very changed people. I mean, never mind the fact that they had a demon just kind of, like, you know, plant in, in, the, plant in them at the same time. And I hope I never am ever, ever in a situation where that kind of hunger has to happen, you know. It's just awful to think about. Uh, but it... Well, as even Frank said at the end, survival is what's important. That was the whole point of what happened on that ship. And instead they decided to make that, oh, it's just tradition of the the higher ups treating the lower. It's like, no, that's that's not how this that's not how this works. That's not how any of, this, how works. Any of this works. <laughs> exactly. And I think the thing that gets lost in there too is that like so because I live in Colorado, Alfred Packer is actually kind of a big deal here. Um, he founded the city that's a suburb near me. And of course, this is after Alfred Packer was famous for what Alfred Packer is famous for. Um, but like, and it sounds so weird when you say that, right? Where you're like, oh, he founded a city and is like honored in a graveyard. Well, yeah, because people understood that back in those days, you got to do what you got to do to survive, man. All right. <laughs> like, ooh. So, okay, this is probably one of those. And as I was reading it, I actually thought I was like, oh, Christ, this probably happens more often than you would think in the journeys through the warp and stuff, right? Like, this probably happens quite quite a bit, right? I thought of the Kerkeridans novel, um, Silent Hunters, where they talked about how important population control was because of supplies because they don't want to go like there's an implication there that we're going to start eating each other if we run out of supplies here right um knights of mccrag same thing when they talked about their food stores going bad right like this is a huge problem for them um space travel is scary Mm -hmm. for a variety of reasons and yeah the fact that that um that continued down as tradition i guess yeah it just felt like as we're Another... just going to feast to honor our ancestors, you missed the point. As Vrain put missed... it, you missed yeah. the point. Entirely. Well, and I liked that. I liked that she was kind of like, not the same thing, guys. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just imagine her waking up. Like, she talks about how she basically leapfrogs through time, right? right. Like, I kind of imagine her waking up and being like, "I'm sorry, what? Like, oh my god, I just can't." And so. First off, what is her motivation? Why is she doing this? Why does she, like, go to sleep and wake up and go to sleep and wake up? And now she has rejuvenate. So basically she just kind of re keeps rebranding herself. I mean, it sounded like to me she just really loves, because she was, like, the original founder. So, I mean, shit, she probably remembers when the emperor came, you know? Uh, and all that, which is kind of cool to think about. That is kind of cool when you think yeah. about it that way, huh? Um if the emperor came or if it was like you know his minions who knows <laughs> right like just somebody came up and was like hey i'm here for the emperor and they were like emperor came to visit us like or alpharius 
like did their little thing. <laughs> Dorn came in and it's like, oh, look, I softened up for you. Anyway, um, so, but regardless, I think honestly, for whatever reason, they left Earth, an old knight, to come here. She remembers whatever that reason is. And maybe it's because mm-hmm. the oceans dried up and the radiation because Terra sucks. Let's be, let's be clear. She wants to make sure that this planet, they survive. No matter what. Right. I think she just loves this planet, loves the city that she helped found so much. She's willing to do anything it takes to make sure it survives. And she kind of made it sound like she'll stop popping through time when she's sure that survival is going to happen and that we don't have these crazy cults. I'm like, well, you know, you're in the 40K universe. You're, you're going to be staying alive for at least like 10,000 more years. Like a really long time. Yeah. Like at least through like 50 or 60K maybe. I mean. <laughs> right. It's, it's going to be okay, a while. You know she'll be doing this until the emperor wakes up. Whenever Pretty much. Pretty much. It comes back to Varangantua. And then she's like, hey, buddy. Remember me? <laughs> That'd be such an awkward conversation if he's like, actually, yes, I do. I bet he does. What the hell? Like, sorry, what? Um, yeah. Got to be a little interesting on that one. But there is... I like the idea that she's like, I just love this city. Like, I, I was part of this. I helped grow it. Mm-hmm. I continue. There is something... When you think about it, it... So, like, the emperor, right, sets up the whole thing for the universe, and then he goes to sleep on the throne for 10,000 years, oversimplification, but basically, like, he really hasn't had that much impact on the 40k universe, really, because it's mostly been people in, like, acting in his name, right? Whereas she, by contrast, gets to wake up, like, every few whatever years and be like, okay, let's steer back onto the course that I wanted this city to go onto, right? Go back to sleep, wake up, course corrections course corrections so like she gets to kind of keep very similar to luther really with the dark angels right yeah in a way yeah every few years just they they come in and they wake up and ask a bunch of questions and he tells them a parable and they're like oh so we should do the total opposite thing of what you said in your parable he's like no that's not what i said it totally is well like he has he has more impact on the dark angels than the lion himself arguably right wake him up in a hundred years what you said was wrong. That's not what I told you to do. That's not what I said, though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We have a new problem now. Oh, let me tell you this. Yeah, story. exactly. Now we have this whole other problem. Well, let me tell you this story. Oh, so we should do this. No, that's not what I said. Back to sleep. The opposite. <laughs> He's like that. Ep- one of my favorite episodes of Phineas and Ferb, where the uh, the woman's telling Candace about how she never gave up. And she never gave up, and you should just never give up. And Candace is like, "Oh, I'm just gonna give up." And the woman's like. That's the moral you just took from my song about never giving up? <laughs> well, it's also kind of like um, the how Frozen should have gone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So we should lock her up. No, that's not what I said. Not what I said at all. So we should keep everybody out of the palace. It's like, what? You're terrible parents. <laughs> but it yeah. does sound like at least she's able to recognize some problems, but... It, Having said that, as much as she's like, I love this city, it's very myopic, right? Because she pretty much just cares about her company and this particular section 
of the world, Polaris, right? Where she's just like, well, yeah. oh, I come in and I kind of course correct Well, that I mean, but you think sleep. about it, though. She can't be everywhere. She's not the emperor. So she wants That's true. this sector to be good. And, you know, a bunch of people cannibalizing each other is just not what she had in mind when she first came here, damn it. This was not part of my vision. It wasn't part of anybody's vision. But now that Vrinks has this knowledge, or sorry, that Drax, Drask has this knowledge about Vrinks, that's a very interesting thing to allow someone to know about you. Well, but, right? but now, she's right. No one's ever going to believe him. Well, that's totally true, right? Like, your evidence, they, they already established that your evidence is, is up gone. in smoke. Yeah. Right? Um, having said that, it's still a very interesting thing to let somebody know about you. Um, just because they can't tell anybody about it, that's the type of thing that could lead someone to insanity. What does he do now with it? I mean, he wrote ranks on the notebook. That's for the does next this become novel. Does this become his obsession? Come, yeah, maybe. Like, in that, like, my takeaway from that is I was like, oh, maybe this is what led Alexius down his path. Maybe he found some nugget or trinket somewhere and was like, here it is. Here it is. This I, is the start of the rabbit hole, and I'm going straight in. You know, honestly, with Alexius, like, the more we've been talking about this, I've been kind of turning everything over in my head here. And I'm almost thinking is that, you know, with, because he had all those notes about that this can that this can harvest was happening often. And I think he was always able to link it to noble families somehow, but it, you know, right. but it kept getting erased. And I think that's what set him on, because, like, the silver coin killer was killing nobles, right? Was yep. the whole thing. So I think that's what he was doing. He's like, you know what? I need to cut out the cancer of this city and it's right here in the nobles. And it's like, you know, it's really hard for me to disagree, but that's not the way to go about it at the same time. No, it isn't. It is definitely not the but way I, to go about it. But I can also understand the helplessness. I think a detective, any police officer like character in this situation would would feel a hundred percent like i can't even imagine how frustrating it would be to be a detective and to watch stuff because we kind of saw it in this book right okay we've got these murders and oh no no don't worry don't you worry your pretty little head about it knock's gonna take care of it all your evidence is gone and just toddy bye <laughs> go on just ignore it like that'd be tremendously frustrating i get pissed for like a week when a, pro a software project I'm working on gets derailed or deprioritized. I can't imagine when it was something that actually involved people's lives. Right? Like, well, isn't that what do you how, even like, do? Like, let's look at comic comic books, okay? And then that how the vigilantes always start? They're Pretty frustrated much. that the law does not help because there's so many loopholes or it protects the rich. You know? Um, yeah. We see it to this very day. I mean... You guys want a twisted podcast about a horrible human being. You need to go listen to the CBC's um, podcast. I think it's called The Designer. Oh, my God. About Nygaard, who you've probably never uh, heard of. Evil by Design. Evil by Design. Nygaard, you've never even heard of what this man did with wealth. And what he was able to get away with. And I'm not talking about Jeffrey Epstein levels of wealth. I'm talking like this guy like almost puts Epstein to shame. Yeah. To be totally honest, what he was getting away with and just shows up what wealth 
has done, and he established himself in a very typically poor country, mm-hmm. and was giving money to the government, so they're going to look away as he's doing these horrible things. The part that will piss you the mo- off the most, and I think this is probably the most enticing thing to get people to listen to it, is the whole reason that people actually outside people start looking at Nygaard is because he was going to disturb a turtle sanctuary by building his mansion out. And an environmentalist group started looking into him and was like, wait a minute, some stuff isn't adding up here. So it's not because of the horrible abuses of of power he did or the hundreds of people whose lives he destroyed. No, no, no. Right. It's because an environmentalist group started looking at him. Like, that... That should be enough to get you to want to listen to Evil by Design. It I will mean, get you upset. Yeah, because like, when, but you're right. It I mean, happens. It's the same thing. Like it's you know it, and it's mm-hmm. it's like what we even said at the beginning of this podcast. Like let's look at you know um, athletes of college towns, what they're able to get away with and stuff. Yeah. You know, I grew up. You know, so I went to Baylor, which is in Waco, Texas. Back when I was at Baylor, we had a shit football team. Okay, a friend of mine worked at this bar and he watched the quarterback beat his girlfriend and drag her out by her hair. And she's screaming, do not call the cops. They did. Cause they're like, this is, this is our ass. If we do not call the cops right. on this. So they called the cops cops get there. He's like, do you know who I am? Tells him who he is. And they fucking let him go. Yeah. Mainly because also his girlfriend was not going to press charges because she liked being the girlfriend of the quarterback of a crappy football team but you know uh but this th- it Listen happens to the aaron hernandez podcast i think it's called monster no it's called uh gladiator gladiator you're right it's, i'm thinking of a different one yeah, gladiator i mean listen to that when they go through his college times oh my it, god i was just and you could understand like howling oh it just boils and so you can understand how that would get so awful and right. terrible but I think that was like my big, like when I got to the end and he put that ranks on the paper, I was like, oh, no, this is, this is the start. This is how, yeah, you start getting into vigilantism. We kind of already saw it as he was working with the underworld. Which is just weird because she's not doing anything, you know, that we know of anyway. Right, exactly. Like, there's some implications there, right? That like, how much, how much over the years has she shown up to just be like, oh, just course correct like throw a bone towards you so that you'll because you go back and you look at all of her actions up until that point right it was like oh maybe you should go and look about the first founding Hmm." like she kind of gives some like steers him in that direction Mm -hmm. a little bit but not it was a good thing he was a good detective let's put it that way like she doesn't really give him anything very out in the open right right um nothing implicit so it makes you wonder, like, well, how much other stuff have you known about over the years? And what the hell else is going on with your company? Like, there's something weird here because it's entirely possible that you're pointing me at this guy. But there's something else going on here. Like, I feel like this is the start of an obsession. And that was my that was my big thing when I saw it. When he puts that down in the paper, I was like, oh, boy. <laughs> like, here we go. I guess but, we're going to have to wait to the next book to find out. We are. So let me ask you this. Are you excited for the next book? Uh, Yeah, I'm still waiting for the next book in Bloodlines. Same. And I do like the idea. Um, My mom 
I think I've mentioned this before. My mother loves serial crime, crime novels. She just absolutely loves them ever since the 90s. Like any series about somebody. Like right now, I think she's obsessed with the Jack Reacher novels. And mm. there's one about a detective. And I can't think of his name right now. I cannot think of it for the life of me. But she loves them. And so... As I throw the book at my <laughs> microphone. <laughs> Could not have done that at twice if I tried. I like the idea of having serial novels like this in the 40k universe. Like, I really like the idea of like, oh, good, it's another Drask novel. Because there is a familiarity of it. And that's one of the things that I always liked about Caiaphas Kane and the Gaunt's books, too. Like, you pick them up and you're like, oh, I already know the characters. I already know what's going on mm -hmm. in here. This is gonna be great. There's a comfort level to it, I guess. So I'm pretty excited about it. And it would be, it'll, more please. But in the meantime. Oh, in the meantime. I get to say it. I get to say it. We got us some chartreuse. <laughs> this time I actually got some chartreuse. <laughs> you did. Um, I, okay. We're suckers for the special editions as is. But, mm. and I know I say this a lot, but this one feels like this one might be my new favorite. With the, uh, I mean, this is metal, metal. Like embossed on top. And then it's embossed, on the, oh, yeah, embossed on the side and then you have like this whole engraving here on the back and yeah, it feels so like the texture. It feels yep. so nice. And it in says your right here to my good friend from Nate Crowley. That's what that oh, says. That's cool. Mine, I'll have to find, I'll have to show you because mine was just personalized to the book club. It was like, oh, to my biggest fans. And hmm. I was like, oh, that's so sweet of you. Yeah. We'd like Nate and I'm going to have to ask him I'm going to have to ask him why he personalized yours more better. I'm really excited for this though. It's, it's because I'm in control of the Twitter account. account. <laughs> That's, That's fair. Um, I'm excited. It's orcs versus necrons. Um, <laughs> yes, please. Yes, please. I mean, um, also, we've already the seen undead what you can versus do. the undead. This is great. Amazing. Um, well, and also a very cold, callous, unfeeling race versus the race that could arguably has all the feels. Well, they just want to have a good fight. And, you know, just having fun. And these guys, you can't kill them. Oh, these are like the best enemies ever. I absolutely love it. Never stops. It can't stop, won't stop. No. Nope. I am so excited for this one. There ain't no party um, like a crumpin' party because the crumpin' party don't stop. It's true. Also, you. And my husband are very excited because these special editions have, uh, they have ribbons. So, you know, Why does that make Jen doesn't. I mean. Because then I'm not committing crimes against books. You know, there's a thing called a bookmark that you can, like, shove in there. Yes, there's also folding your pages. They can just grab a freaking index card. And breaking your spines. I'm never loaning her one of my books. Don't ever. Like, like ever. I always tell people that when people are like, you should read this book. I'm like, great, I'll go buy it. Oh, I'll lend you my copy. No, I'll go buy it. <laughs> if it's that good that I need to read it, I'll go buy it. Or at least buy it on digital. <laughs> exactly. Like, I'll just get my own copy. It'll be fine. Um, whenever we get the special editions, my husband always is like, if you break the spider, fold a page, I'll kill you. Like, I'm not going to. It has fair. a ribbon. It's fair. fair. It is totally fair. You want to take us out, Carrie? Uh, I suppose I will. It's been a long day. Let's see. But, you know, forgive me. Words have been failing me all day. 
even though they're written right in front of me. Failing me happen. all day. All right. So you've listened to the Warhammer 40k book club episode regarding the Grim Repast by Mark Collins. Be sure to join us for our next book, The Twice Dead King Ruin by Nate Crowley. This is the first in a trilogy, people. Get excited. We are an unofficial book club and not affiliated with the Black Library or any of its affiliates. You can find both the vidcast and podcast on our website, wh40kbookclub.com. If you like this episode, please like, subscribe, give a review, and all those things to the vidcast on YouTube or the podcast anywhere you get podcasts. Don't forget we also have a Patreon where we offer two different tiers of content for your viewing and listening pleasure. You can learn more about that at patreon.com slash wh40kbookclub. Our site also has articles about our adventures in reading other Warhammer 40k books and short stories outside of the book club books. So please stay a while and read from a crag. Uh, I'm all furious even though like... Yeah, see I got no words, but I'm still all furious. It's all good. Get you some new chartreuse. <laughs> yes, new chartreuse. Not that old chartreuse, which you should also get. <laughs> Is that even available to get? of the Warhammer 40k book club is hosted by Jen Bozier and me. Recording and editing of both the vidcast and podcast were done by me. The book club questions and discussion format were done by Jen, and all of our music is by Jingle Punks. The Warhammer 40k book club is a Warhammer LLC production. This is a Voxcast that even he, Cato Sicarius, would approve.